You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. As we get ready to move into a message, well, first off, let me say, I'm Jamin. Hi, nice to meet you. Lead pastor here, uh, and here at 1208, we look to create space, foster growth, love people, and we do all this because we love God. God, That's right. And so we're doing all kinds of things to try to love people and love God, and uh, there's a lot coming up. You know, tonight's just an example. We do what we do to love God, so... We pray that uh, you've found his love today in some way. Um, And we'll continue to find that throughout the night. And we have been moving through the book of Matthew, but tonight tonight we're going to do a little bit of imagining together. So if you haven't been here the last few weeks, let me just catch you up to speed to what's going on. We basically just preached on Palm Sunday without it being Palm Sunday. I know that's like illegal in the church or something, but... Uh, We were talking about how Jesus came into Jerusalem. And this is where his kingdom was. This is where um, God's presence had been found in ancient times. God is everywhere. Yes, he's omnipresent. But there are places on the earth that the Bible shows like God is actually like tangibly present in a way beyond his omnipresence in this space. Okay, so you like that sounds weird to a lot of us, but you've experienced it before where you're like, Man, God was just so present at church today. So don't tell me I'm weird if you're going to make statements like that. Because that's that's the same thing. So Jesus walks into the place where God has been present in in the past, like physically located in Jerusalem. And as he walks in, people are getting ready to make him king. They see him come in on a donkey and they start celebrating him and praising him. And they call him the son of David. That's a political term. Ah, the king. The long-awaited, prophesied-about king who would one day take everything back for God's kingdom. He's here. And so they're celebrating him. They're worshiping this, this Messiah figure. They're praising this king. And Jesus comes in, and then he starts uh, doing away with the old kingdom. He's flipping over tables, and he's trying to show them the heart of what the new kingdom is really about. He starts praying for people, and they get healed. Right there in the temple. God's presence shows up at the temple in the form of Jesus. And now the kingdom's coming. People are being healed. And then he goes up to the religious people of his time. And he starts saying things that quite honestly are hard to hear. And very intense. Things that if we really put ourselves in the Pharisee's shoes. We might start to feel some conviction on ourselves. So. That's what I want to kind of help you through tonight is we're going to focus on a parable Jesus tells. So let's contextualize it. Let me use your imagination here. Give it to me. I'm going to bend it around a little bit make you think about some things. Okay. So Jesus, they thought he was coming to install the kingdom right then. And he did. He was crucified on a cross. And the Bible talks about how this was kind of like his inauguration, his glory. So he becomes the king of all of the world. But Jesus isn't ready to bring the kingdom in its fullness yet. Instead, he ascends into heaven where he sits on his throne and he's waiting for his father to say, "Okay, now it's time to go put the fullness on earth. Let's go. 
So that's, that's the time frame that we're in right now. We're still in that in-between where the kingdom is already here. Jesus is already king of the earth. But the coming moment is still ahead of us. Okay? So I want you to imagine that the coming moment that's ahead of us started to happen now. And uh, I'm just going to put out a scenario of the way in which it happens. This isn't biblical. This isn't the way that it will happen. It's just trying to get our minds into this passage. I want you to imagine that Jesus comes to Jackson. He's come back, and for some reason our town's important. I don't know. But he's walking around Jackson, and he uh, uh, starts to, to do his ministry. He's getting ready to install a kingdom in full. And so he's walking around Jackson trying to find uh, people who are going to follow him. And he goes to, we're going to start with the massage parlors in Jackson. Now, massage parlors, he's not going for a massage or anything like that. Um, massage parlors today, and we have these in Jackson, can be places where people actually find prostitution going on, um, different kind of forms of sex trafficking. Uh, we call it human trafficking today, but the former term we've always used throughout history is slavery, right? Where someone against their own will has to do something because a master is forcing them to do that. So in a lot of these uh, massage parlors, you know, you might get the massage, but at the end there's more going on from a sexual standpoint as well. I want you to imagine that rather than come to church once he gets here, he instead goes to the massage parlors to meet the people there and to start telling them to repent and to come to him. And so he's walking around, he's like, hey, look, here's the deal. My name's Jesus. Uh, yeah, you've heard about me. I'm coming back right now, and I just want you guys to know, like, Come, come follow me. Turn from this. And Jesus understands like how hard that's going to be. Their life is in bondage. But return, uh, leave this and, and come follow me instead. And imagine that the people in the massage parlor say, uh, you're a nice guy. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay right where I'm at. I'm not just going to follow you right out of here and, and hope for the best. I'm going, to, I'm going to stay here. So nice guy, but uh, no, I won't follow you. And so Jesus leaves, and he begins to walk the streets of Jackson. And it's getting late right now, and it's just about that time where people go out and start checking all your cars to make sure they're unlocked. <laughs> it happens to me every few months. Raise your hands. Eh? Oh, two of you. Man, I'm the lucky one. All right. <laughs> so Jesus is walking around the streets of Jackson late, and there's, there's uh, these people kind of making their way around town. And he walks up to them and he notices they're, they're opening the car doors and checking what's inside. They're going through all the change drawers, wrapping that all up. They're checking for expensive items, stealing the sunglasses, whatever else looks like it might sell for something. Going through your glove box drawer and they're tossing all the papers all over the sidewalk for you to find in the morning. They see a bike on your porch and they take it because in their mind, you know, if it's not tied down, well, you ask for it kind of thing. So they're making their rounds, and Jesus runs into them. He says, guys, guys, come follow me instead. <laughs> Repent. Leave this way. Change your mind about what you're currently doing, and instead, put your mind on me and follow me. And these robbers may be a bit confused, like, <laughs> a holy guy just walking up to us in the middle of the night. Hey, guys, stop robbing this car, and instead, come with me. Uh, look, man, you seem like a nice guy, but mm, not going to do that. I'm not going to follow you. This is the way we make our living. So leave us alone. And so Jesus uh, says, all right, all right. So Jesus leaves. And you start hearing about this rogue evangelist named Jesus walking the streets of Jackson, 
running into people. And it becomes such a, a hot topic that eventually you find it on MLive. Who is this guy? Rivaling Captain Jackson. There's a new guy in town who's just got stories of, of walking around. And you start to read the articles, and he seems like a cool guy. And it just sounds like he's going to like the least of these and, and trying to help them out and calling them to repentance and to follow him. Even though uh, some of these people aren't doing that. So you scroll to the bottom and you get to everybody's favorite section on MLive, the comments, right? And as you're going through the comments, here's what you see. You see the people that Jesus has been talking to. You see these massage parlor people who are like, oh, we met this guy. This, this is a great guy. He was very nice to us, very kind to us. And the way that they start talking, you start to feel like, you know, they said they weren't going to follow him. But the way that they're typing this up on this comment kind of sounds like they changed their mind. Kind of sounds like they're following him. But then you come across the people who have to talk about how they go to church and that they're not okay with this guy. (laughs) Who is this guy walking around? We heard stories of him healing people. We heard stories of him giving tough teachings that we're not into. His political viewpoints don't align with my political viewpoints. I'm not into this Jesus guy. And so as you're browsing through him live, you start seeing like, hmm, it's weird how the people you didn't expect to want to follow him on the comment section, it kind of seems like they are. But then the people who you did expect to follow him are not interested in doing that. And so... This is a good soundtrack to where I'm going with this. <laughs> it's going to get... I'm not at the end, though. I need the climax to wait in the music before I get there. Um, where are we at? Jesus walking around Jackson. Huh, right, okay. So now it's time for Jesus to check out the church, right? Here's what Jesus is saying. He's like, okay, all right. I went to these people. They didn't seem all that interested, though it kind of sounds like they might be interested after all. I'm going to go to the church because those are my people. Those are the people who are going to follow me. Those are the people who care about me. Those are the people who have been studying what I've been saying, listening to what I'm putting down. They're the ones who are actually interested in going the distance with me. And so Jesus starts walking into churches around Jackson and getting to know people. And he's greeted with different faces. He's greeted with some who are disgusted at him. Oh, that's that guy we read about on MLive. That's that guy that we're not super into. He's the one that all these stories are getting now. Not, not okay with this guy. But then you see some others, curious, maybe interested, like want to learn more, want to follow him if if this is Jesus. And then let's say he comes to 1208. Jesus walks into 1208 and we find the same kind of mix among us. Jesus walks in and we're singing some worship songs, okay? So we're singing, where you go, I go. What you say, I say. When you move, I move. I will follow. Right? We got the right words. Jesus walks in. Yes, they will follow. This is the right place to be. And then he gets up on on stage like, thank you. I'm so glad to find someone who will follow me. And suddenly he looks around the room. And he finds the same mixture that maybe he's finding in these other churches. Some who are disgusted with him. Raised eyebrows furrowed brow, angry about this heretic who doesn't line up with their understanding of Jesus, doesn't care about the things that that he cares about. And then a few who maybe are somewhat interested. And perhaps if he has really harsh words, you know, since he always had the harshest words for the religious leaders, guess what part I get to play in this, right? 
Maybe he's got the harshest words for me. Jamin, where's your heart at? (laughs) And that's the question that I put before us in our imaginations today. Because that's where we find Jesus in this parable. It's a parable that's not often read. Those are my favorite to read. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the religious people who live in this sacred space where the kingdom is about to, to move into. And he goes up to these people, the ones that you think would understand the kingdom, the ones who you think when they saw the Messiah, they would get it. He walks up to them and he tells them a parable. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? The Pharisees said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. We preached on repentance a long time ago when we started this chapter on Matthew. If you remember, part of what repentance means is simply to change your thinking to change your mind. So here's Jesus. He goes up to the people who should recognize him. The people who should recognize him the best because they've been studying about him. He goes up to these religious leaders who know the Bibles like the back of their hand, have it all memorized up here. He goes up to them and he tells them to their faces, the prostitutes and the tax collectors going to heaven before you. Not the nicest thing anyone's ever said. (laughs) But that's Jesus' words on the people who should have got it right. That's why I paint the story I do for you today. You know, you you may not always find a lot of prostitutes around town. Some of you have. But you do find that in Jackson with things like massage parlors. It's another kind of form of forced slavery and prostitution. So here's Jesus saying, the people in the massage parlor, they, they, they're chasing after me. They go into heaven before you when your heart's not chasing after me. And then he talks about the tax collectors who are the robbers of Jesus' time. They were legal robbers. It's very strange. But like a, a tax collector in Jesus' time is not just like, ah, oh, bummer, they're taking my money again. They charged me to do my taxes. Tax collectors in Jesus' time were essentially these people who just like, They could knock on your door and say, hey, you owe the government this much. Also, I'll take this much just for the heck of it, and you have to give it to me. And they could just get away with it. They might just be outside somewhere, and you run into them. They were like the robbers of their time. They could always overcharge, take whatever they wanted. They'd make themselves rich. And here is Jesus going up to the religious leaders, to the pastors, if you will, to the pope, if you will, of his time, and saying to him, The tax collectors, the robbers, and the prostitutes, the massage parlor people, 
They go into heaven before you. And you've got to be feeling like the, the difficulty of these Pharisees. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We've memorized the Bible. We are doing our best to live this thing out. Because that's what they were doing. You ever wonder why they're trying so hard to follow the law? It's because they stopped following the law and they got exiled and kicked out of Israel. So in their minds, like, let's get God to come back by following this 100% and beyond that. So here they are, and God walks up to them in flesh as Jesus and says, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go to heaven before you. And they're like, what do you mean? We spend our whole lives trying to get this right. But Jesus understands something about them. Their hearts are not in the right place. The Bible is a living, breathing book. You can know all the words that you want, but if you do not have the heart of it, you're going to miss it all. That's why atheists will read this thing and come away with tons of ammunition against us. (laughs) Because they miss the heart of this. There is more going on when your book is living and breathing. So why? Why do the tax collectors and prostitutes get in, but then these Pharisees didn't? Well, Jesus said it was because uh, even though the tax collectors and prostitutes said, no, I'm not going to follow you, what do they do after? They changed their mind, they did. What really mattered in the end was their actions. Because their actions reversed their words. They decided, yeah, this guy is worth following. But the Pharisees... The ones in church with their hands up, where you go, I go. And then Jesus shows up. It's like, "Mm, I won't follow that. They're saying I will follow, but their actions don't line up with it. It's that old saying, right? Actions speak louder than words. But this is the parable Jesus puts before us. The people that you don't think are getting in, they might be very well getting in way before you. When you are judging them, when you aren't following me, when you aren't paying attention. So, I just invite you today to put yourself in that parable. Where do you fall on it? Do you feel like the social outcast? Do you feel like the religious person? Do you feel like the one who acts like they got it all together, but inside they're falling apart? If Jesus was to come up to you and say the things that he said, would your brow be furrowed or would you fall to your knees and repent? See, we've got to get our heads in that space so that we can respond appropriately. This is why we read Jesus so much on Sundays. This is why we read the Gospels so much on Sundays. It's so that we can really know what God looks like in flesh. Because eventually He's coming back. And I fear that there will be many Christians who look at Him when they come back and are going to say, Ah, I don't like that. It's not what I read in my Bible. Of course, a lot of us, we're not even reading our Bibles. So how can we know who he is? Many will say, well, I have spiritual experiences. Well, that's great. God does that. But if your spiritual experience doesn't look like this, it may not be Jesus. Study the scriptures so you're not surprised when you run into him. A lot of people, I fear they'll deny him because it doesn't line up with what they hoped he would be. Some people are going to be like, ah, he just, I don't, I don't like the way he loves everyone. 
And others might be like, mm, I see that he loves because he's the definition of love, but he doesn't love the way that I want him to love. Love doesn't look like what I thought love looked like. If you want to get the fullness of who Jesus is, so that you can find yourself as the one who, regardless of whether you denied him or uh, decided to say, yeah, I'll follow, regardless of that, eventually your actions come full repentance, full turnaround. You change your mind. You change the way you're thinking. You say, yeah, I'll follow you. And that becomes your whole life. That becomes everything. So as a band comes up, that's the invitation to us today. So often we read about the Pharisees in the Bible and we just insult them. We think we're nothing like them. But I tell you, every time that I look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees, I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> that's me. I got to sit with that today. So sit with that. Invite conviction. Invite rebuke when necessary. I want to know what Jesus looks like. And when he comes back, I don't want to be surprised. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's worship him. Let's turn our hearts towards him. And just ask him to, to come right now. God, you are everything. We were made for you. We were made for love. And often when you show up, the kingdom looks very backwards. You walk into the kingdom. And rather than approve of the people that we thought you'd approve of, you give them harsh words. And then rather than kick the people out that we thought you'd kick out, you talk about how they're going to heaven before us. The key factor being that they follow you in the end. That's what matters. Regardless of their words, where are their actions? Regardless of how well they know their Bible, where's their heart? God, there's so many dimensions to you. We know we can't know it all. <laughs> but you put on flesh so that we would know something. And then you wrote four books, the same exact book four times. <laughs> As though like, hey, hey, look, I did this one a lot so that you'd read it, so that you'd catch it so that you'd see who I am. God, I would have thought that Matthew would have been like, ah, Mark already covered this, but instead he's like, mm, no, let's say this again. Teach us who you are. And then let us live that out. And may we embrace whatever conviction you need to bring on us, because Jesus wasn't done with this parable. He still gives two more parables to the Pharisees before he walks away. And we get to sit with that conviction for the next two weeks because it was important enough to be written down. So, let us align ourselves with you.